Martin Flint, powered by Montana Electric Cooperatives Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperatives. They do more than keep the lights on for you. Reporting from the Montana Legislature, I'm Eleanor Smith. Under a bill in the Senate Business, Labor, and Economic Affairs Committee, employers could not fire someone or discipline them for what they post on social media. Republican Senator Keith Regeer from Kalispell is the sponsor of Senate Bill 270. He said at a hearing for the bill Wednesday that what people say on social media is irrelevant to their place of business as long as it doesn't reference anything to do with the workplace. Does it happen in Montana? Maybe it has. Can it happen? Senate Bill 270 would help protect the First Amendment rights of Montana employees. He cited examples of teachers across the country losing their positions over controversial posts they made online. There were no opponents or proponents of the bill at Wednesday's hearing. A statute from the 2015 legislative session already bans employers from asking for employees or job applicants' usernames or passwords on social media or to ask them to disclose any personal information that might be listed on their social media platforms. Invest in America and buy a great SUV from Denny Menholt Carmart 360 and Carmart360.com. See dealer for warranty details. Talking about the issues that matter to Montana. Statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. You know, we don't script this show. When we open up the show, we just start yapping. Uh, This is a conversation. We take your phone calls. It's, It's a conversation. We're not scripting this show out. We don't have a scripted set list of questions with any of the conversations that we have. So, you know... Right before the break there, after hearing this this quote from Elon Musk and his phone call to Senator Steve Daines, it just kind of dawned on me that, wow, that that quote is so insightful, not just when it comes to Washington, D.C., not when it comes just when it comes to these big tech firms. But even even right now in Helena, Montana, you have all of these out of state special interest groups that are basically trying to make San Francisco values dictate what goes on here in Montana as well. Uh, anyway, Speaker of the House, Matt Regeer out of Kalispell, thanks for joining us here for our regular update. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. Good morning, Montana. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on that? To me, you know, you see the deluge that happens every legislative session. You get these phony groups like the Montana Budget and Policy Center, Montperg, Forward Montana, and they're basically these out-of-state Soros-funded outfits that are coming here trying to trying to dictate to us in Montana these same San Francisco values that, uh, that Elon Musk was apparently talking about. Yeah, and there's always going to be that attack, and that's why I think the Republican Party, the state Republican Party, uh, says it uh, so succinctly of let's keep Montana, Montana. And that's uh, exactly what we want to do as a Republican Party. We love our state. We love the way it is, and, and we don't want to be California. Well, and I'll tell you, two, uh, two pieces of legislation on that front that are pushing back on this California-style radical left-wing uh, nonsense, uh, you have uh, Senate Bill 99, which just passed third reading in the state Senate yesterday afternoon, and then uh, a bill actually uh, sponsored by your sister, Representative Amy Regeer, House Bill 303 to protect our health care workers, passed the House earlier this week. So to me, that's, that's very clear. Our Montana legislature, in big numbers, in both chambers is standing up to protect against this radical woke left agenda yeah it's a and especially our kids a lot of this too is and we just heard on the house floor yesterday obscenity uh we have obscenity laws that we've operated for decades uh that's why you the pornography magazine at town pump has to be behind the 
the cash register and out of sight. And but we exempted schools from that. Why are we exempting our kids from seeing obscene materials? And I'm happy to say that past second reading on the house that we're going to protect our kids that way. Um, right now, we've got in-house judiciary right now going on. Uh, I got the TV going. Of uh, there's a bill to pre- uh, prevent minors from uh, being at drag shows and taxpayer-funded uh, facilities. Uh, once again, minors uh, don't need to be at, at sexually explicit uh, uh, shows like that, especially funded by the taxpayers. Uh, so a lot of a lot of the session is too. I think we see across the nation. Um, uh, and, a, and a losing of innocence, really, with our with our kids, and uh, we need to we need to be the adults that stand up and uh, protect that next generation. Yeah, no, well said. Yeah, it's it's crazy the way, and we saw this certainly in in Florida with the debate that took place there, and and Disney going woke and trying to push this, uh, and, but really just the idea that they are trying to push sexualized content on little kids here, and I, I know Representative uh, Representative Brandon Lear out of uh, out of Savage Montana, we're going to be in his neck of the woods tomorrow in Glendive for the Gate Show, but you know they're the left is trying to punish little kids if they don't use the right pronouns i mean i know you know this federal courts have already protected teachers and say you can't even force teachers to have to participate in this gender pronoun nonsense but but the democrats want want little kids to be to be bullied into using the right pronoun nonsense it's crazy yeah yeah and that uh, i mean it is it's um and the sad part is that they use the the reverse of well you're bullying us and it's like no stop and look at this this you guys are pressing this uh, on us you need why why does it why does a minor need to go to drag show that's something you guys have to uh, the left needs to they need to articulate that I mean that is uh, the onus isn't on us to we're we're here to protect the the children and uh, you got to explain what, why is that good to um, sexualize our our youth. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting in the midst of these uh, transgender debates where the left wants to wants to have the ability to take body parts off of little kids in the name of of the transgender agenda. You know, Billings School District, too, they just installed uh, vape detectors. They're going to install vape detectors in the bathrooms to protect kids from making a potentially bad decision that could alter the rest of their life uh, to stop them from vaping. So it's like, obviously, yep. we need to protect kids from making a bad decision that could alter the rest of their life. If we can do it with vaping, why wouldn't we protect kids from from uh, puberty blockers and transgender surgeries that could, you know, th- all sorts of craziness? Yeah, and protect them from vaping is a great thing. I'd say it's exponentially more important that we protect them from uh, uh, from a surgery that they could very well. And we see a lot of people regretting that later on, and then that's... Uh, that's irreversible. That's right. Yeah, if a kid picks up a vape pen tomorrow, now the danger is they could get hooked on it, and it and they could be hooked for life. But there's also the possibility that they could they could not do it ever again, and they could turn away from it, like like some people who maybe tried a cigarette when they were little and then never smoked ever again, right? But if you start removing body parts or you give them chemical treatments and medications that could lead to sterilization of little kids, that could cause osteoporosis in these little kids because their bones don't develop properly, there's no turning that back. 
And and that's why this legislation is so important. All right, uh, Speaker of the House, uh, Matt Regeer, stand by. For Gold today to learn more about the 123 Protection Plan. 833-404-GOLD. 833-404-GOLD. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we want to get to your phone calls as well, 406-294-0970. If you've got a quick question or comment as we get our regular uh, weekly legislative update from Speaker of the House Matt Regeer at a Kalispell. Uh, first, though, uh, Speaker Regeer, I, I just started throwing questions and topics your way, and I didn't even ask you, well, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to update Montanans on this morning? So we'll throw it back to you. Well, one I'll bounce off of is uh, Senator Daines there getting in the Twitter jail. Uh, heard his take. We've got, uh, so Texas, the state of Texas had a free speech bill that would allow uh, people, it, it regulates social media. Uh, social media couldn't uh, just ban you for your uh, political views. Uh, social media being the big, like over 50 million users, I believe, was their threshold. And that worked its way through the court systems. The uh, circuit court, whatever that is, Fourth Circuit down there, ruled in favor of that. And, but then it got appealed up to the Supreme Court, sitting in the Supreme Court now on a free speech on social media bill. Is, we've got one here working in the draft that uh, if the Supreme Court upholds that Texas bill, then Montana will join there as a, a spot of uh, free speech for all the social media users. That's great. And then uh, and then you've got another, uh, this is kind of a fun one, and, uh, and when you told me about this during the break, I'm really excited about this one because uh, we all know how, how tough it can be to find a good campsite anymore, given all the, the rush uh, into the state of Montana, especially during the summer months. So hold that thought. We'll get, we'll get to that topic here in a second as well. But first, uh, let's sneak in a phone call. We've got Reynolds in Kalispell listening to KJJR. Uh, Reynolds, did you have a quick question or comment? Hey, good morning, Aaron and Matt. Morning. Um, I have a I have a concern about uh, HB three three seven. I think it's the uh, the law to cram down uh, state policy on local zoning. And in fact, you just you just had an uh, advertisement on the radio for the Frontier Institute. Um, I wonder what your position is, and I'd encourage listeners to go to frontierinstitute.org and see the all the investors that are on the board. Um, this has been implemented in San Francisco, where I used to live, and what it does is BlackRock comes in and buys all the properties, they subdivide them, and then home, homeowners can't uh, afford houses anymore. All right. Thanks for the call, Reynolds. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Speaker Regeer, your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, 337, I believe the lot size is what he's referring to, if my memory is correct. Um and that, uh, yeah, there was a housing task force that comes out. I'm, as a lot of people know, Montana housing is uh, getting to be a tougher and tougher commodity to realize that American dream of owning a home. And part of the problem, uh, we got to partner with locals on this, local governments. Of uh, There's a lot of local governments that say, yes, we want affordable housing, just not in my backyard. And that NIMBY, not in my backyard, uh, really creates then a problem. I mean, some of the most affordable housing is, um, like a fourplex, a multifamily home that gets uh, gets zoned out then of communities, and then communities are complaining about, well, we don't have any uh, we don't have any housing inventory. It's the supply and demand thing. Of uh, I think we need to work together with the local governments there to make sure there's that supply of affordable housing, uh, and and a lot of that uh, is is 
do to zoning is one piece of that puzzle. And how can we work with the locals there to make sure that there is proper zoning um, and, and that affordable housing is attainable? Well, one of the challenges that I, I've seen personally and heard from builders is it's so hard to build in the cities, to build homes in some of these cities, like Billings, for example. So what, it, what does it do? It pushes it further out into the county because because it's easier to build out there. And I, I think of Willie's Distillery, the great Willie's Distillery down in Ennis. They were promoting uh, one of their latest uh, one of their latest batches, and they had the hashtag cows, not condos. Well, when it's hard to, to build inside the city, what ends up happening? Well, the, the cow pasture gets turned into condos instead. And so uh, clearly something needs to be done. Is this the right legislation? That's that's what uh, that's what these lawmakers are going to be looking at. But, uh, yeah, either way, appreciate uh, Reynolds' uh, uh, phone well, call there. And, and, and real quick to bounce off that, too, there's – I mean, we said another piece of the puzzle is that uh, red tape and uh, local zoning that Larry Brewster out of Billings has a bill, two, uh, 211, I believe, that would just streamline that process. Instead of jumping through all the hoops and it taking nine months or 18 months to get done, it's going to be a lot quicker. And uh, where time is money and the lots can be cheaper, that all makes it more affordable. Well, and uh, one, that's where one of the, uh, you know, Larry Brewster is one of those those great guys. He was on the Billings City Council and did a great job there. He's one of those guys who will really right. dive into the details, and he saw zoning issues firsthand in the Billings Heights. And I'd remind people that Billings Heights alone is the size of Butte, Montana, from a population standpoint, as, as Larry would tell you. Uh, campsites and state parks, you know, a lot of people have said, man, we need more campgrounds, and I know the governor has unveiled some initiatives. To, to do more of that uh, to get more more campsites especially uh, uh, along the rivers where there's more and to try to get more uh, fishing access along the rivers as well but uh, what what's your idea about about uh, freeing up some more campsite opportunities for locals here in Montana yeah this is uh, representative Gunderson at Libby's carrying this one and uh, it was a great idea I remember back in the days growing up uh, it would be Friday afternoon. The parents would say, hey, let's go camp and load up the truck for the weekend. You head out to the lake. And there was always a, a campsite available. And I understand that Montana has uh, has been found out. Our secret is out there. And uh, now it's uh, impossible to do that. I mean, just last summer I was trying to find a, trying to find a spot on a Friday afternoon, and you couldn't do it up in Kalispell. It was all the state park campgrounds were full. So, And uh Right now, they're all reservable. So this bill of Representative Gunderson's would uh, drop that threshold of reservable sites and uh, leave leave a healthy chunk for just walk-ins, which I believe would give the advantage then to the uh, us local uh, Montanans, and we're not having to fight then with online reservations from a Georgia or New York license plate that gets gets reserved back in February. And a lot of times, too, though, they'll reserve it for a week and maybe show up for a day or two, but they've got it reserved. I mean, 30 bucks a night or 50 bucks a night to them is, is no big deal. And that just takes away from the opportunity then for Montana residents. So yeah. I think it's a great bill. And uh, try and just give a little bit back to the way Montana used to be. Yeah, no, that, that seems to make sense because, you know, I, it's great. There, there's folks who are retired that finally get to live the life, and, and they'll live in the camper all summer long, and, and that's great. And they, and so you want to have opportunities for people to be able to reserve these spots. But, you know, there's people with young families that want to enjoy this too and, and and build those memories with their kids. And, you know, and like like me, for example, okay, I, if I'm serving for my in, uh, for my annual military training and I'm gone and or, or I get uh, the day change at the last minute or 
I, I have to be gone for work, and then your kids are in sports or other activities. And sometimes a last-minute trip is the only trip you're going to be able to make. And, golly, if you haven't been out there since Tuesday morning, you're not getting a spot sometimes. So so that, that sounds like a, a good fix, if you ask me. Yep, yep, that's exactly it, and that's exactly the uh, outcome we want to give. Give the residents a little more of an advantage to our own backyard. I mean, it's really our own backyard. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, and then uh, along with what the governor's working to do on expanding access, uh, that that'll be good as well. Uh, we need more campgrounds for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Mike in Bozeman. Mike, did you have a quick question or comment? Quick comment. Um, you guys need to address all Democrats as the continent Democrats, and the reason is is that the way that the Biden administration has so. Uh, overwhelmed our system and turned it upside down compared to what it was when Trump left it in good shape. The uh, Saul Alinsky academics are the modern Karl Marxes. Uh, the, all the way up through Biden, there are Stalin's useful idiots. And uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Schwab and uh, Soros are the modern Stalins. Klaus, yeah, talking about Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum. All right, Mike, thanks for the call. Uh, Speaker Regeer, kind of on that front, uh, yeah, I guess the caller believes we're being too nice uh, to our Democrat friends. I thought it was interesting. Representative Jody Etchart made the point that when Governor Gianforte delivered his State of the State address and talked about combating fentanyl, None of the Democrats stood up. In fact, the only person on the Democrat side of the aisle that stood up was actually Republican State Senator Jason Small, uh, the Northern Cheyenne tribal maker out of out of uh, out of uh, uh, Kirby. Yeah, yeah, and that is, and that is unfortunate. I mean, you have to be able to see the root of where the problem's coming from to be able to uh, start to work together for a solution. We don't even see that as as an issue worth standing up and applauding. Uh, pushing back against uh, the drugs pouring in and the crime that that all brings and the breakdown of the family, and we'd go on and on. Uh, if you don't see that as an issue, that's uh, that's tough. That's uh, that's really tough to come to any, any solution. That uh, then just leaves up to Republican colleagues to get it done ourselves. Yeah, in fact, uh, talking about uh, fishing access, uh, camping, uh, campsite access, I just got an email from one of our Democrat friends, uh, Jared and Anaconda. He says, hey, you know I fish 150 days a year, so this is awesome. Uh, so there's one of our Democrat friends who, who appreciates uh, Representative Gunderson's bill there. Great. We'll take the board anyway. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's see, uh, Mr. Speaker. I know we're we're short on time. I'm going to get to. I'm going to open up the phone lines after this. Uh, so Daryl and Kalispell will be first up after the break. Since we are short, short on time, uh, Mr. Speaker, anything else you want to uh, tell folks across Montana? I think you know. Just overall, it's uh, things are starting to really uh, heat up. But we started out with a lot of uh, red tape relief and just cleaning up the code from uh, really Lieutenant Governor pushed out some great stuff. But a lot of it was 19-0 and. Uh, really pushed through a lot of that. Now we're coming down to the uh, meat potatoes of the session and uh, transmittals coming up and uh, really a lot of these bills like what's being heard today on uh, prohibiting minors from attending drag shows at taxpayer-funded buildings. It's uh, uh, things like that that are really, I believe, what uh, Montana sent us here to do, protect that next generation, and looking forward to how these all work through the next few weeks. 
All right, Speaker of the House, Matt Regeer, great to catch up with you. I know uh, tomorrow when we're in Glendive for the Gate Show, uh, we usually get a chance to catch up with some Glendive area lawmakers as well, but uh, you're, you guys are all going to be busy working back at the Capitol in Helena tomorrow. So uh, so luckily, I'll, I've been able to catch up with uh, folks like State Senator Steve Heinbaugh in advance of our live coverage from the Gate Show tomorrow, so we may be able to, to mix that into our live program tomorrow as well. Yeah, Montana Talks live from the Gate Show in Glendive. Glendive tomorrow. Microphones will be open for you. Back to your calls after this. This is where Montana talks ag with Lane Nordland. Prices and profitability will again favor cattle producers in 2023. That was the announcement during the Cattle Facts Outlook seminar held during the Cattle Industry Convention in New Orleans last week. Kevin Good with Cattle Facts shares more on how retail value and the smallest cattle supply since 2015 will help support prices for producers out in the countryside. So as an analogy, as we look at this year, we would suggest that retail prices would be up 1%. or capped here for a minute. Wholesale prices up 4 Fed cattle values up 10%. So that's margin realignment after having a pretty tough go in that category over the last couple of years. If that's the case, we would suggest a Fed cattle market that will average somewhere around 158 for this year. We're talking the corn market to be a little bit softer as we get into new crop corn in the second half of the year. If that trend's right, you should have an eight-weight yearling that averages somewhere around 195, a calf that averages about two and a quarter. So it's stair-stepping those prices up considerably compared to where we've been the last few years. The weather outlook is also expected to improve, but while that exact path to drought relief is truly unknown, improvements are also expected to translate to moderating feed costs, especially in the second half of 2023. I'm Lee Nordblund. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let's uh, jump right back into it here uh, with your phone calls, 406-294-0970. Write that number down uh, because it looks like, man, our phone line's just filled up. So we're going to we're gonna get to every one of you and then uh, hopefully get to more as well. If you can't remember the phone number, I, I've heard sometimes people are listening to this show, but then they'll call another studio somewhere else. So uh, so if, if you have trouble remembering the number, 294-0970, of the show you're listening Listening to, uh, you can also call us through the Montana Talks app as well. There's a little button right there. You just hit the little phone icon, and bloop, it'll uh, it'll ring uh, our producer Travis right there in the studio. Uh, let's see, we got Daryl in Kalispell uh, next up. Daryl, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Well, basically, this thing about the sugar beets plant. How come uh, Montana can't take take some of the funds that we have, excess funds they want to return to the people? And apply it to the the uh, facility that's going to close, and turn it into a co-op where the people that work there can be owners of the facility instead of shutting it down. I'm getting tired of watching these politicians and everybody from foreign countries destroy our 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 way of life. And do you know? I don't know if you know or not, but did you know that the largest refinery in Texas is owned by Saudi Arabia? Hmm. 
I wasn't aware of that. But, yeah, when it comes to Sydney Sugars, uh, first off, I, I think it's great that a caller from Kalispell is calling in and talking about really the sad big news out of Sydney, Montana, all the way on the other side of the state. Because I, I think you're exactly right, Daryl. This shows how big of, a, of an issue this is, not just for our state, not just for eastern Montana, but really for our whole country, food security, agriculture jobs, uh, you name it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I'll, I'll probably play the audio tomorrow while we're at the Gate Show in Glendive. Um, I asked Senator Steve Heinbaugh, hey, w- w- is there anything that can be done? And he said he's he's open to all options hearing from from folks uh, across the state right now. Because that was kind of an, an idea I had is, yeah, you have you have cooperatives. Could we get a local cooperative that could take over the ownership? Because basically it was the Minnesota company that, that basically hadn't been investing in that facility for the last 20 years, milked it for every dollar it was worth, put a squeeze on the farmers and give them less money for their sugar beets, and, and then now they're pulling the plug on it. So can local farmers start a co-op? The other thing is, too, um, if you look it up, look up uh, hydroponic-grown tomatoes. There are lots of facilities around the world, New Zealand's a good example, that are using uh, giant greenhouses to grow tomatoes, and one of them only caters to Saudi Arabia at top dollar per pound. Okay, you can grow so many tomatoes in a greenhouse with with a ninety nine percent, ninety say ninety one to ninety eight percent water recycling function. Okay, you're not wasting the water. All right. I mean, we have the technology and everything. And also, I want to give a shout out to Right on John. The guy is super smart, and I wish there were some listeners out there that had some extra funds that were interested in investing in new technologies. Because this guy's got the ideas, he just can't find anybody to generate any interest with it, and it's just depressing. Well, I think it was right on John who messaged us, who said, hey, could industrial hemp be an opportunity in that area? Uh, I know. Well, uh, it because back in 19, uh, 1940s, Ford, actually 1920s, Ford had a car that was made out of hemp and other byproducts, and it ran on hemp, okay? And uh, the body was so strong, you could beat it with a six-pound sledgehammer and not even crack it. Interesting, yeah. I, I, hey, I, but you know, every, people are going to be looking at all sorts of options because that is a hundred million dollar plus economic impact for that region alone. Uh, Daryl, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Next up on the phone lines, we've got Representative Kerry Seekins Crow out of Billings calling in from the Capitol. Kerry, uh, uh, Representative Kerry uh, Seekins Crow, great to hear from you. Good morning, Aaron. It's an honor to be on with you today. Yeah, you've got uh, legislation that I know you wanted to speak out on. In fact, I saw a headline a headline from NBC Montana uh, regarding a, a bill regarding our judiciary. Yes, it's regarding the, excuse me, the Judicial Standards Commission. Basically, the situation we have right now is judges judging judges, where the judges choose who's going to be on this, basically, this ethics committee, and any complaints that come in, then what we're seeing is dismissed, 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 because these judges don't want to get off home base to actually take a good look at this, to have a great investigation to see if there are any valid complaints. One of the uh, the opponents stated to my bill that, well, these are complaints because people don't like the outcomes. And that's probably true for a majority of the cases. However, there are actually some valid cases that have been out there. And what I've seen is that this Judicial Standards Commission has actually been weaponized. And I believe that if the judges really were about transparency and and being ethically above board, they would encourage having people on this panel 
that would ensure a great investigation. Yeah. So that's why I brought the bill. The 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 way uh, the what it seems like to me here, and correct me if I'm off base here, it seems like this Judicial Standards Commission in Montana is basically a good old boys, or shall we say, a good old boys and girls club, to where yeah, it, it's supposed to be there to enforce standards, to enforce accountability amongst our judiciary in Montana, but instead it's it's the good old boys club that basically sweeps everything under the rug, and we saw this on full display during the Montana Supreme Court race last year here in Montana because you had a Supreme Court justice who was hosting campaign fundraisers with some of the very lawyers that were appearing before her courtroom. Is a judicial standards commission that only uh, relies on the good old boys and girls club going to enforce these standards or not? Well, absolutely not, Aaron. And that's what's so concerning and disconcerting about what's going on right now and that the judges don't want to change it. In fact, there's an amendment to go back onto my bill that would bring it back where the judges get to appoint to the district court judges. Right now, what my bill says is that the House would appoint these from all of the district court judges. Right now, we know that the judges would only appoint those judges who they know would be on their side and not really investigate these claims. Now, I can't change the makeup of claim to our Constitution, only the appointment process. And that's what I'm working on at this point. Interesting. So what are the particular P, uh, bill numbers that you would like people to look into and potentially support? Well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Aaron, everything's swirling. I don't even know the bill numbers at this point. But um, the I've got so many bills going out right now. I, and somebody asked me about that today. I was like, I don't know my bill numbers. This one's just about the Judicial <laughs> Standards Commission. You can look it up by my name and find that's it right. there, and I apologize for that. No, that's all right. Um, but this is this is something that is very important. And the um, our party has kind of tagged this process, not necessarily only my bill, but really taking a look at the judiciary. One of the complaints, of course, by the judiciary is it's, um, you know, kind of legislative creep over into what they do. But the problem that we have is that we've got these three branches, and we are supposed to hold one another accountable. And right now, there is no oversight of the judiciary at all. And I'm not saying that this appointment process will change everything, because this commission only gives suggestions to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court out whatever they believe would be the appropriate, um, you know, punishment, if you want to say that, uh, to somebody that has violated ethics. But we're finding some investigations against, you know, some of the conservative judges, the Montana trial attorneys actually have weaponized this against um, conservative judges in a way that is absolutely tragic for the Montana people. And, and we have also simultaneously seen some of these liberal judges and Supreme Court justices uh, horrifically abuse their power to undermine election integrity laws uh, and, and, so, and, and, and to try to force this radical transgender agenda on the state and so much more. All right, Representative Kerry Seekins Crow, great to hear from you. Thanks so much for calling thank in you. this morning. Yeah, thank you. My, thanks for all you do. Oh, appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. Hey, you're the one they're sacrificing 90 days plus of your time. And, uh, uh, icy roads and more. So thanks for being with us. All right. Next up after the break, we've got Rick in the Bitterroot, uh, Al in Kalispell, and we've got phone lines open for uh, for you now as well. 406-294-ZipPatriotSupply.com. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at GrizzlyGoldAndSilver.com.
Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, great uh, tool on the Montana Legislature's website, ledge.mt.gov. You, you literally, you can search by bill number. So if somebody throws out, like earlier, I, I mentioned House Bill 303. I mentioned Senate Bill 99, uh, two key pieces of legislation moving forward in both separate chambers. Uh, you can go, you can search by bill number, pulls it right up, tells you the latest action that took place. Uh, the other thing you can do is, hey, what was that bill number? I don't know, but Carrie Seekins Crow has the bill. You search by her name, and it pulls up every bill uh, that she's working on. A great tool. Uh, let's jump back into the phone lines here, 406-294-0970. We've got Rick in the Bitterroot. Rick, thanks for the call. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, and you don't need to call me sir, or, or we might make you do push-ups. Uh, <laughs> you, you can just call me Aaron. I've done push-ups, too, but God bless you. Uh, my question would be, um, uh, our congressman or senator that we have had on in our state, how are we dealing with CRT, transgender surgery, and uh, the uh, boys dress like girls or all that stuff? For It's not happening here in Montana. My question would be... When, of course, it is. Yeah, when, of course, it is. Who is in our Senate or our House against CRT? Why are they fighting this nonsense? And I would like to find out our Republican or Democratic uh, representatives that think this is fine. Yeah, you know, that's a good question, because there, there was a, a small number of Republicans who voted against Senate Bill 99 yesterday. This is the bill that will protect kids from this radical transgender agenda. You know, uh, no, that, that's a good question. Um, I did see one of the guys who voted against SB 99 earlier in the week, uh, uh, Senator Jeff Wellborn out of Dillon, he voted in support of it yesterday. So it was good to see uh, uh, he was, was able to be convinced and vote in support of SB 99. But, yeah, there were still some Republicans who voted against it. And it kind of defies logic and it defies common sense. I don't know if they just have a personal grudge against whoever the sponsor is or what, because this is just common sense stuff. When, when you mentioned uh, CRT, uh, actually, hey, uh, uh, Rick, you still there? I, apparently, there's a new term Pardon now. Me. I didn't mean to say, yes, Aaron, I am. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently, in addition to CRT, there's another term out there now that apparently the FBI is pushing. The Biden FBI is pushing uh, RCT. They're trying to bash Catholics, uh, and they're referring, according to a piece in the National Review, they're referring to them as radical Christian or radical Catholic uh, traditionalists or something like this. David Noble was telling me about it. Well, the only thing you can do... Uh, never mind. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. What, what do you say to that, that type of nonsense, huh? All right. Thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Uh, let's see. Who do we got next up? Oh, Al in Kalispell. Al, what's going on? I think I'm on the right line there. There we go. Al. Yeah, hey, go Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, you ever hear of this thing called the Seal Train and Jacob Schiff? 
the, uh, the SEAL train and Jacob Schiff? Okay, Jacob Schiff was the king of Wall Street, World War One era. Oh, okay. Um, all right, BlackRock investment guy, forget his name, uh, is the king of Wall Street currently. He's trying to turn San Francisco into little communist Beijing, China. That's why he's up with this real estate thing in, in San Francisco. You're talking about, is that Larry Fink? That, that was the name that yeah, came out. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I think that's his, yeah, that's his name. Yeah, he's just trying to turn San Francisco into little Beijing communist China. It's you know, trying to trying to. They yeah. already have. <laughs> they are yeah, they, mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like the the Chinese spy balloon. They already made it across the whole country. Mission accomplished. They already turned uh, San Francisco into a little Beijing. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't know what else to say, but let's warn America this is happening. All right, Al, thanks for the call. Uh, let's see. Yeah, tomorrow uh, we're going to have the microphones open. I'll tell you, if you're listening to us right now in Glendive, Terry, uh, Baker, Sydney, uh, Culbertson, Miles City, if, if, if you can make it down to the Gates Show in Glendive tomorrow, I know many of you are going to be there anyway because it's always such a good time. Come down and see us. Uh, I'll be set up earlier in the morning. I'll have the microphones open for you. Plus, uh, our friends uh, from the Gate Committee are going to have some great guests lined up for us. And always good to see our friends from KXGN Radio as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, microphones will be open for you tomorrow. Uh, I got a message on our Montana Talks app here. Where did I put it? It was from one of our listeners, and they really appreciate the campground idea. Uh, oh, here it is. It's from Angie. I think Angie and Billings. Yes to the camping bill that Matt Regeer was discussing on your show. We used to go camping all the time, and now if we don't reserve a spot as soon as the reservation calendar allows, we are out of luck. It's so disappointing and just makes me mad. Thank you for this, and I really hope it passes. That's what uh, Angie, I think in Billings, is where that message came from. So thanks uh, for that message. See you at the Gates Show in Glendive tomorrow. And look at that. we got sunny skies and uh, and uh, ice, no ice on the roads for a change. <laughs>